You're listening to GlendaleCC.org and to the Glendale Christian KY podcast on iTunes. This week, Executive Minister Brother Mike Bell brings us a message on how to take our next step based on the story of Abraham. Thank you for listening, and as always, we hope that this message encourages you in your walk to love and follow Jesus. Have a wonderful week. Good morning. How are you all? Just Mary's awesome. The rest of you, sorry about your luck. This past week, I had the opportunity to speak to the Referees Association, and, and Adam Hinton, our own Adam Hinton, was the uh, Hired Gardener Award, so congratulations to Adam. And if you noticed the slide, there was also another announcement on that for you uh, to give you some information, but uh, we won't say anything about it being a boy. But uh, anyway, uh, got to do that. This past week has been a very busy week. Thank you, sir. This past week's been very busy, a lot of things going on, but we want to uh, remind you that uh, this afternoon at 2 o'clock visitation for the Young family, Mr. Young passed away Friday evening, and uh, visitations uh, Tuesday, or uh, visitations today, funerals tomorrow at 11 o'clock here at church. Everything's here at church. Adam's in revival. He's over at White Mills in Revival this week, uh, so I get the privilege of speaking to you, and uh, I always like to start off with a corny joke, but I don't, you know. I used all those on a referee the other night, but last week, uh, or week before last, I guess it was, Sam and I went to uh, the country club over at Lebanon, and uh, we, we were going to the ball game, and uh, so we, we went to the country club, and uh, I got up there, and the guy said, Sorry, sir, you cannot come in. You don't have a tie on. And I said, But uh, do you have a tie? And he said, No, we don't, we don't provide those. You have to have a tie. So I go out in the car, and my car, I usually have a tie or a coat or something out there, and I go all through it, and there's no tie or anything going on. So I... Uh, I, I looked, and I opened the trunk, and there was a set of jumper cables. So I put those jumper cables on, and I went up, and the maitre d' met me at the door, and, and I said, uh, may, me, may my guest and I be seated? And he said, certainly, but don't start anything. <laughs> Adam has been talking to us a lot about taking the next step. And and I've been impressed and I've enjoyed his messages and I've been challenged by his messages to take the next next step. So I told him today, in the three weeks that he's been preaching, talking about taking the next step, I was going to tell you what he meant. And that was supposed to be funny. But uh, anyway, uh, his messages touched my heart. And and I want to talk to you about that message because... It came to my mind about Abraham. And Abram, in the Old Testament, God came to him and God said, I'm going to make a great nation and kings will come from you. And and Abram waited and waited and waited. And our scripture that we're going to be talking about is now 25 years later. And God is now talking to Abram again. Abram was 75 when God came and said, I'm going to make a great nation from you, and, te- and nations will be blessed, and kings. And here's what God says. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, 
I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make a covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you the father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make you a nation, or I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants. After you, for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. It will be blessed, or it will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Now, this is 25 years after Abraham, or Abram, had received the promise of God. And Abram received this reward and this uh, promise, and Abram's sitting around, and he's looking at this, and, and, and I, I don't know about you, but I would be thinking, God, when are you going to do this? I, I love the scripture in the 12th chapter of the book of Genesis when it says, So Abram went and did as the Lord told him. You see, Adam has talked to us about taking the next step. Some of us realize what that next step is. Some of us do not. Some of us are putting our fleece out. Some of us are wondering what can we do or what do we need to do to put that fleece out. Well, I want to talk to you about that today. And, and I want you to realize that Abram, when he was 75 years old, God said, I'm going to bless you with a son. And now Abram's 99. He's past the age of childbearing. His wife is past the age of childbearing. And God comes to him again and says, I'm going to make you a blessing. Kings will come from you. When Sarah heard at 75 that God was going to bless them, what did she do? She laughed. When Abram heard at 99 that God was going to bless him, what did he do? He laughed. This is not possible. This is not going to happen. And, and, and I, I want you to see that when God said to Abram, I want you to go and I want you to move, Abram started something. He might not have had jumper cables as a tie, but he started something. And he started a movement and he moved. And God moved with him. And something did happen. And when God speaks, we need to move to action. And that needs to be the first thing that we do is move to action. We are so used to sitting and doing nothing. We're so used to uh, saying somebody ought to do. <coughs> We're so used to not responding. Adam has challenged us to respond, to take the next step. 
why don't we take that next step? What is it? I don't know. It's different for each of you, but you need to take that next step. Henry Brown, in 1856, was a slave in North Carolina. And Henry Brown, as a slave in North Carolina, heard about an abolitionist in Philadelphia. And Henry Brown found a big packing box, and he got in that box, and he addressed it before he got into it, of course. He addressed it to the abolitionist in Philadelphia that he heard about. He got in the box, sealed it from the inside, and shipped himself to Philadelphia to the abolitionist. It took three weeks for that package to arrive. How he survived in there, the article did not tell me. But he survived, and when the abolitionist opened the box, he stood up and he said, Hello, my name is Henry Brown, and I'm a slave. And I heard about you being an abolitionist, and so I am here today trusting my future to you. I like that, because I'm here today trusting my future to God. And God, I believe your promises. I know your promises. But like Abraham, I'm beginning to question. I'm beginning to wonder, God, what's going on? What's happening? What, what do you have intended for me? I've waited. I've, I, I've waited. What do you have in mind for me? And I continue to wait. He said to Abraham, I'll make you fruitful. I, I, I will build all these things for you, and I'll, I'll have nations for you. But nothing happened. The only thing that happened in 25 years is Abram's name was changed from Abram to Abraham. Sarah's life was changed, name was changed from Sarai to Sarah. And that's all. And Abram waited. I, I made a little chart because uh, the second point and the, the, really the first point of the sermon is we've got to understand before we can take that next step, God's timetable is different than our timetable. And my timetable is very fast. I want it to happen yesterday, not tomorrow. I, I, I'm not a patient person. In fact, I pray for patience and demand it to be right now, and I don't get it. But I, I sit down, and, and I, 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 I told in the first service, I'll tell about Chris. When, when we found out, we had, I told in the first service about John. He was over here, so this is Chris. When, when Chris was born, uh, Sharon went to the doctor, and uh, we, we used to go to Dr. Uh, uh, Brassfield, but Dr. Brassfield didn't deliver, so he sent her to, uh, what was that doctor? You remember? You remember, Jenny? Uh, started with an H. I never did meet him. I wrote him a check, but I didn't meet him. But anyway, Sharon went to the doctor and came back, and she said, we're going to have a baby. And she and Jenny got the needle out, and the needle went around and, and uh, said it's going to be a girl. That's why we call him Sissy Chrissy. And, uh, <coughs> and, and so, you know, all these things, and they said he'd be born April the 22nd, or... Yeah, April 22nd. And so we waited and waited, and uh, we went and got a book and uh, picked out some names, and I told Sharon, 
when we picked out John's name, when I went to the hospital and took Sharon with me, he was going to be Jonathan Duane. And uh, then he was born on Wednesday. Chris was born on Wednesday. And John was, uh, uh, when I got there on Thursday night, Sharon's mom visited Thursday morning, and I visited Thursday night. Sharon said his name's John Michael. Well, I like the name, but I didn't know why we voted to change it, but we did. I knew better than to say to Sharon what Chris's name was going to be, and I just simply said, I understand there's been a David in our family for 20-some generations. Could we have a David? And that's how we got Christopher David. But anyway, uh, he was going to be born April 22nd, and we waited and waited, and April 22nd came, April 25th came, April, May, May 25th, or May 10th, May 15th, and finally, May 23rd, he was born. Weighed 29 pounds, 6 ounces, walked to the nursery, and, 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 and you know, we got this book, and we went through it, and, and there were, we went through all kinds of stuff. And, and so I did, in the 25 years between the time that God said to Noah, or to Noah, to Abram, you're going to have a baby until Abram had that baby. I wanted to look. At the age of 76, Abraham went out and bought a crib. At the age of 78, they made a list of boys' names. At the age of 80, they ordered a super supply or a super absorbent pampers. Super. At 85, they go hunting while his wife's friends give her a baby shower. At 86, they put wallpaper in the baby's room. At 90, they subscribe to New Parents magazine. At 85, or at 93, Abraham and Sarah start a Lamaze class. At 96, they do a practice run to the hospital. At 98, they set the suitcase right out the tent door, ready to go. And at 99, Abraham scratches his head and said, well, I wonder if God was just kidding. Now, you can relate to all that. And you see that, and you see that's happening because you're not patient. And when God says, I'm going to give you a son, you want that son. And when God says that, you think about it. I read the longest lawsuit in the world was in India, a man by the name of Thorat, T-H-O-R-A-T, sued, and his case came to court in the year, uh, I forgot, in the year 1205. The verdict was rendered in 1966, 761 years later, and Thorat won. Now, his descendants got a lot of rubies, but uh, Therat never saw anything from that. And I don't like waiting. I just hate waiting. Anybody else like that? When I go somewhere, if you tell me to be there at 8 o'clock, I want to be there at 8 o'clock. Now, I, I was going to a doctor, and the doctor says, you come, at nine, or you come at 8, and then I got there at 8, and I filled out all the papers, and I went back, and they made me step on that magic thing that's evil and got fire coming out of its eyes called a scale. And uh, then, then uh, I, I go back out and wait. And the nurse said, the doctor doesn't come to 9 o'clock. Well, what am I doing here at 8 if the doctor doesn't come at 9? 
So the nurse said it's better to come at 1 because the doctors are coming back from lunch and they get back here on time. So now I don't go of a morning. I go of an afternoon and get that over because I hate waiting. I would have grown very impatient with God waiting those 25 years. But I needed to understand that my measurement of time is not God's measurement of time. And sometimes when I pray to God, I try to tell him what I want and how I want it. But my vision is in a box, and I box it up, and I don't see the potential and I don't see the possibilities that God has. And I want to challenge you to look at the possibilities in your life. Look at the possibilities that are there. Look at the possibilities that are greater than anything that we would have ever dreamed of. You see, God said, I will make you the father of many nations. Do you realize that Abram, Abraham, is the father of the Muslims. The Muslim religion descends through him. Do you realize that Abram, Abraham is the father of the Jewish religion? It descends through him. Do you realize through the seed of Christ, Abraham, we are descendants of Abraham? The father of many nations. Abraham was just exactly that. And they understood that. But Abram, he never saw the possibilities that God had for him. He never saw what God was talking about. He was only thinking of today. I want to share with you. I, I got this when I was in college. And I went back and I found it. And uh, I, I want to share this with you. I, I want to share with you a, a history lesson that started in 1858. In 1858, there was a Sunday school teacher by the name of Ezra Kimball. And Ezra Kimball taught Sunday school in Chicago. Thanks, Don. And Ezra Kimball taught Sunday school in, in Chicago. And Ezra Kimball had a guy in his Sunday school class that just wasn't getting it in the class. So Ezra Kimball went down to Holton's, Holton's, it was Holton's, Holton's shoe shop where this guy from his Sunday school class was working. And he sat down with this young man and he talked to him. And this man made a commitment to Jesus Christ. And he was immersed. And his name was Dwight L. Moody. Now, how many of you have ever heard Dwight L. Moody? Moody Bible Institute. Dwight L. Moody was a shoe clerk, and Ezra Kimball went to him and converted him to Jesus Christ. Ezra Kimball converted Dwight Moody. Dwight Moody then went to England and preached a revival. In that revival, there was a young preacher who had a very small church, and his name was uh, Frederick Meyer. And Frederick Meyer uh, loved that church and became a great theologian. And he came to the United States and he went to the Moody Bible Institute in Massachusetts. So you've got Ezra Kimball teaching Dwight Moody. Dwight Moody goes to England. 
Washington, and then from England comes back Frederick Meyer to the United States to the Moody Bible Institute. While Frederick Meyer was preaching and studying, he went to uh, the YMCA, and he was preaching at the YMCA, and there was a man there by the name of Wilbur Chapman. And Wilbur Chapman, this is back when YMCA was still a religious organization. And Wilbur Chapman said he wanted to give his life greater to Christ, and so he started working, and he started a preaching, and he found a baseball player that would add credibility to his ministry. So he recruited the baseball player. The baseball player started preaching with him and became one of the greatest evangelists of our time, and his name was Billy Sunday. Now, how many have heard of Billy Sunday? All right. Ezra Kimball, Dwight Moody, down to now we got uh, Frederick Meyer, and our Chapman, and Chapman is preaching, and Billy Sunday is preaching, and Billy Sunday goes to North Carolina, and he's in Charlotte, North Carolina, and he's preaching a revival, and there's a man that comes and gives his life to Jesus Christ and under Billy Sunday, and that man's name is Mordecai Ham. Now, how many have ever heard of Mordecai Ham? You shouldn't have. Have you really? I, I'm... If you held your hand up, yeah, you had. You know, Mordecai Ham was preaching there in Charlotte, and this young man comes in, and he gives his life to Christ, and we had his funeral a couple of weeks ago, and that was Billy Graham. Now, do you think that, that Ezra thought, when he went down to that shoe store, that Ezra Kimball thought that the number of people would hear about Jesus Christ that he was preaching to a man in a shoe store about a ministry. He had no vision of what that will do. Next Sunday, or next Saturday, we are going to go out and we're going to be hanging door hangers, inviting people to church. You don't know what that seed that you plant next Saturday or tomorrow, you know, when you let this little light of Jesus shine, and you talk to somebody about Jesus, and it may be in Hudson's shoe store, who knows? But when you talk to them about Jesus, you don't know what spark, you don't know what you're starting in them, do you? You understand what I'm saying? You hear me? You awake? Listen, we've got to be telling people about Jesus. And Adam says, take the next step. Well, it's just to tell people what Jesus means to you. Do you believe in Jesus as the Christ? Do you? Is, is He the light shining in you? Then you've got to go out and show it. And when you're like Ezra Kimball, <coughs> you're like Ezra Kimball, and you just sit down in a chair and say, let me tell you about my Jesus. People begin to listen, and people hear and you're making a difference. And you have only thought that I'm talking to this shoe salesman. But you think of these people. This is historical fact that it leads to probably Billy Graham, who's the greatest of all preachers of our modern time, who've given the word to more people than anyone we've ever known. So that brings us to the last point. It's when you trust Jesus Christ with your life that you get the greatest fulfillment.
Abraham never understood what it meant. Even when he went up on the mountain to offer that son Isaac's, when he went up there, he had no idea what the meaning and what the purpose and what God had in store for him. And I tell you, you don't know what God has in store for you. I told the story of how we came to Glendale, and uh, you all have heard this, so it's repeating. But we were ministers at the Ratliff Grove Christian Church, Freetown, Indiana. And uh, one day, this man came to me, and he said, Mike, I have nothing against you. I have nothing against you. But I need a new truck, and my dad won't buy me a new truck. And if my dad doesn't buy me a new truck, then I'm going to get my friends, and we're going to vote you out in, in December. And there's nothing against you, but my dad likes you, and that's the only thing that I got that I could hold over him. I went home, and I sat down with Sharon, and we cried. Is this what the ministry's about? I left there, and the next day, I went to Cummins Engine and made application for a job. Harold Burnett called me and said that Glendale Christian is looking for a preacher. Would you go down there and preach to them? I said, no, no, I'm not interested. I'm, I don't want to stay in the ministry. And then he said those magic words. They pay you $65. Well, that was more than I was making a week. And so we came down, and we went to Gary and Jenny Coffee's for dinner. They had ham, mashed potatoes, peas, and, uh, oh, no. <laughs> and we went to their house for dinner, and uh, then we went home, and I, I was going to Cummins Engine. And then they called back, and Gary said, we'd like for you to come down and preach for us. But he forgot to tell me we were supposed to go eat. Well, I wasn't, uh, and Mrs. White was cooking dinner. And I, uh, I uh, went to Sharon's mom and dad. They were moving from the west end of Louisville to Shively. And Sharon and I went there and painted all day. And we didn't have any money. And we came down here and we preached. And uh, we started back. But we didn't do anything or get anything to eat because I didn't know how much the tolls really were and if we'd have any trouble. And so we, we preached here. And then we went to, uh, we went to uh, up I-65, paid the tolls, got to Louisville, and had money left. So we went to White Castle and had a great dinner. And, uh, and uh, so we went back and we prayed and we said, if God intends for us to go to Glendale, they'll call us before Cummins Engine. And on Halloween, trick or treat, and I don't know which it is, but on Halloween, Glendale Christian Church called us on Sunday and said that we were voted and extended a call. On Monday, we received a letter from Cummins Engine that had been missent to Brownstown, and we got it on Monday stating to report to work at Cummins Engine. Now, I think God's hand was in that. I see God's hand, and I can tell you God had much more use for the ministry for Sharon and I through this church than he ever did at Cummins Engine. And I am so thrilled that God guides us, but sometimes I'm not very patient or waiting on God. And sometimes you're not. But I want to tell you, quit looking in the box and quit looking what's going on right now and look that God has a job for you. 
And, and I, I, my first comment to Gary was, I hope we can stay to uh, 79. So it'll be our 100th anniversary, and I got great things we could do for our 100th anniversary. And anytime I wanted to leave, nobody wanted me. And when I wanted to stay, people wanted me. And it seemed that God's hand worked in our ministry. And I think God led uh, this ministry, and God has used us. I never dreamed of the successes and the blessings that I've seen. But let me tell you something, folks. Until you take that next step, until you trust God and let him use you, until you speak to that next person about Jesus, you have no idea what God can do through you. God can do great things, immeasurable things through you. Do I hear an amen? God can do immeasurable things through you. Amen? Repeat after me. God can do immeasurable things through me. Remember that. Let's stand and sing, right?